With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. On November the 6th, 2014, from Coolidge, Arizona, uh, we welcome everybody on board tonight. We're in the book of Revelation, and uh, primarily in chapter 9. Uh, it's a long journey. Verses 1 through 11 of this chapter, we, we um, look at the locust. And the locust in Old Testament usage uh, was... Um, uh, represented anything that was against Judah and Jerusalem, but always against Judah and Jerusalem. Um, and we've mentioned passages of Scripture, have read those about that. And then in chapter uh, 9, verses 12 to 21, uh, we have a different thing brought to our attention, and that's the four angels. And we're... Uh, needing to think about um, one thing that came up last week was that I suggested that we would read Second Thessalonians tonight, a portion of it, uh, because this is, we're in where I believe is the fulfillment of Second Thessalonians chapter 2. And I wanted, I wanted to preface this tonight with another idea, and that is that history is not inspired. The scriptures are inspired, but what we do find in history uh, during this period of time that the book of Revelation is written about, we find that it is a confirmation of Scripture and that it brings us into the right time frame. That's right. The measure, the history is measured against it but I, I need to keep reemphasizing that because we're reading history only as we understand it is confirming the Greek, the the, um, the text, the scripture, and that the history itself is not inspired, but it certainly is confirming. Any prophecy deals with something in the future. And when that future comes as a result of that prophecy, there is something about that event in the, in, in the future of the prophecy that's going to be recorded. And that isn't inspired itself, the reporting of the fall of uh, Tyre and Sidon and the Cychronius history regarding the fall of those cities. That is not inspired but it gives confirmation to the scripture because it says that those cities were going to fall and how they were going to fall. That's how they fell, and Cychronius history tells us that. So it's a confirmation. Any questions on that? All right. <clears throat> 
<clears throat> now, in lesson 20, Um, that would be the previous lesson. And tonight we're on lesson 21, but but last week I suggested that tonight I might uh, take a look at this. In the first paragraph of uh, quoted here from Mills, um, this statement, I'm, I'm going to read it directly, if you please, we may here discover the complete disgrace and ruin of the high priesthood of the Jews. Now, Dan plugged in last week, Dan Vincent, and brought us a marvelous summary of um, what this chapter is talking about. And I'm just going to skip over some of it here. Uh, And then he names some of the impious priests and... um, where And then skipping down, here is where the son of perdition took his seat in the house of God and acted by the instructions of the zealots acting as God. Thus is fulfilled Second Thessalonians chapter 2. Now, we went through that last week, but I said we may go back to Second Thessalonians. And if you would allow me to do so, let's go to Second Thessalonians and just see whether it seems to fit. And I believe it does, or I wouldn't take you through, wouldn't bother you with it. But Second Thessalonians chapter 2. <clears throat> and verse, uh, chapter 2 and verse Now, we're talking about in chapter 1, verse 12, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 12, so that the name of our Lord Jesus will be glorified among you. And I realize your English text may say in you, but it's among you. You is a corporate pronoun. And you in him, according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, verse 1, uh, verse um, one of chapter two. Now we request you, you who are living there in Phoenix, Arizona, in 2014. That's how we read it, isn't it? That's how folks begin here. Mm-hmm. We, we as in us, are requesting yeah. you, which is also us. Well, yeah, the we and the you. Yeah. <laughs> You're getting it so clear, Alex, I don't know. I don't know what. So we request you. We, um, you know, that's that's Paul, Silas, and Timothy in particular, but probably inclusive of the apostles as a whole. But, But he's talking about, too, the first person pronoun we is plural, and we request you, second person plural pronoun, it's a corporate pronoun, and we 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 request you, and the you are now are known as the brethren. Now that that's a good name for folks in the church, and it's a broad term, and sometimes it's uh, brothers and sisters, but the brother the word brethren can include everybody. 
with uh, so so I, we we request you, brethren. Now, can you get yourself into that into that first part of that sentence? Is there any ladder that you could use that would get you into that elevated statement? No way. Is there any pit that you could go down deep enough to get into that? <laughs> no way. See, there's just no way you can get yourself in there right now anyhow. Is there? No. You just can't get there. You cannot get yourself uh, in this. He is specifically requesting them, the brethren. Now, what is he doing? What is he requesting about them uh, with, with regard to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ? So he is, he is specifically addressing them. And now this is a shocker. Well, it's not to the folks here, but it is to some of you maybe who are listening in tonight. With, with regard to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the, the problem with the word coming is that this is not a verb. This is a noun. And it's, it's feminine in gender, and uh, it's not the word coming at all. What is the word? Present. The parousia. That's a noun. It's a state of being. It's not an act of coming. It may include that, but that's not what this word is. So we right up front, uh, we, we have to um, we have to take a look at that because it, it explains what's going on in our ninth chapter of Revelation. We request you, brethren. With regard to the presence of the Lord and our gathering together, our gathering together to Him. Who's gathering together to Him in His presence? The apostles. We and our are in agreement. They're first person plural. So in the first verse, however else it may include, specifically, he is saying we, Paul, Silas, and Timothy, specifically, request you, brethren, to pay attention to what we want to say about the presence of the Lord and our, our, our Paul, Silas, and Timothy, our gathering together to him. Is that pretty clear? There was a word there in the Greek that I, I, I um, but I don't see it now. It oh, could be just the apostles. It could be just the apostles. I, the others were an evangelist and a prophet. Yeah. And the, it says that we don't have a specific antecedent no, no. So that the Thessalonians may have known about. They understood the, the apostleship being separate That's from... That's right. Yes. Um, and that would be my, my preference, but it's not specifically stated that way here. 
So, in verse 2, that you, that you be not, and I don't want to take too much time, but we have to get some of the foundations. You see, it's, it's all documented here. We can get it. We can understand it. We, need to, we have to clarify who's talking, who he's talking to, and what he's talking to those people about. And there's no way we can get ourselves at this point into this conversation. To us, we're looking at it through the eyes of Revelation as historic. They were looking at it how? Prophetically. Prophetically. But we're not in there, that group. Not now, anyhow. Is that clear? I mean, am I clear as to what I'm saying? You don't have to agree, but if you don't, we'll talk, take you out back. <laughs> uh, that you, that you, you, who's the you here? People in the church in Thessalonica. That's right. It's the brethren, those to whom he's addressing there. Don't be shaken from your composure or disturbed either uh, through a spirit. Um, and I'm not sure what the word by there is in the Greek, but we might want to look that up. Um, <clears throat> yeah, it is by. No, it's, no. it's through. It's dia, isn't it? In both case, all cases here. The word that's translated by ought not be by at all. There is a Greek word for by, and it's not dia. Dia means a channel through which something takes place. We know that, don't we? Hi, Nolan. You drifted in. The wind came up, filled your sails. Yeah, just stay downwind of that wind. You'll oh. be, or upwind. You'll upwind. Be fine. All right. Up in the first verse, we, we have a two that is, or uh, is the is the uh, proper word, so we can see the difference. Um, or I mean, by there, right there. Okay. By the coming. Yeah, but who pair isn't right either. Look at who pair. It doesn't make sense. Um, it means over. Mm-hmm. Uh, with and I don't, I don't like physically over. Yeah, physically over or abiding over. Um, of it, 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 and it deals with above over a place. So um, yeah, over the presence is what it would say then. Right, right, and uh, because it's in the genitive, to yeah. see. So this is the proper definition for who pair. Um, it, right, it's out of place, isn't it? What's that? It's of place. It's like the definition says. It's That's right. It's over a place. You see, it's not, it's, it's not operative. By is operative. It means that something is causing something to happen. And we call that operative. Yeah. But, it, but it's, a, it's talking about a relationship to a place. Remember that a preposition, a preposition, a preposition relates to a sphere. Over, around, through, above, below, beside, in, into, out of. Those are all prepositions. Why? Because they relate, they relate to a space. So if the word doesn't relate to a space, it's not a preposition. That's what a preposition is. 
something that gives you a correlation between uh, a movement into or out of or above or below, but something that correlates a relationship to something, whatever it is. Direction. Or direction. And the direction is determined by what case it's in, whether it's, um, well. in that, like, you know, if the house was by the highway. There is a Greek word for by. But, but that, that, and it still isn't as accurate as the word that you could use, right? That's right. So. And, and the, t- the test would be if you had the word and you were in English and you were to go to translate it back to Greek, you would translate the word that you saw in English back with the corresponding Greek word. You can't start playing with it going backwards. So the test of the translation is what happens when you take it back, backwards. Okay? Yeah. All right, let's read on. So, because we haven't, got to the, we haven't got to the important part yet, but we have to have a foundation that you, you say, I'm going to be gone someday, and um, nobody knows when. So we, we have to have, we have to know how. You know, this is, this is how we, we look at and break a passage down so that we don't get caught up in the biases of it. Well, we wouldn't be where we are if we didn't know how. Otherwise, you're just flapping your, your tongue. That's right. Dave, it's important, and, you know, I don't want to hold up class, but so oftentimes these words are used in a way that makes the, that suggests to the reader that it's been delivered. That it's been delivered. This is it's it's been it's you know in through this, and it really does you know it takes all the free will and all the choice away, and it's been delivered to uh, like throwing a blanket over a whole bunch of people. Yeah, that's and that's leading that's leading the reader on. That is, and uh, and I know that it's tedious of what we're doing. But folks, we have to get a handle on the language. Well, is it tedious if it changes the meaning of a whole verse? It isn't really. No. But you know, a lot of us aren't geared to detail. But you folks are, and your business is detail oriented. <laughs> well, even the Petrius group doesn't get these verses right. No, they don't. They, they overview, yeah, but not the fine tuning of it. Yeah. They get They're off on it. some things that they don't have. All of the books, the Perusia and all the books that we suggest you read, we don't discredit what they have right because no. they have some things not clear. And I don't want to be discredited in the future for some things that I didn't get a handle on too. I think what they do is right. Unfortunately, some of the conclusions aren't quite adequate. They're not quite. So that's a part of what we do here. Even the uh, some of the writings that I've copied down here for a couple of weeks, and we won't do a lot of that, but be, but the history that is presented there is so concise that it just saves volumes of reading. And so... Dave, I was uh, late. Why, why did you jump into Second Thessalonians before going to Chapter 9? Oh, um, okay, good question. One, one is that last week I suggested we probably would. Because in the first paragraph uh, on uh, Lesson 20, uh, the reference is made that what's taking place there in Revelation is the fulfillment of Second Thessalonians 2. 
on the previous lesson. The very first paragraph. You see that, uh, Nolan? Um, it's in the notes? Yeah, it's in the notes. It's in last week's notes. Okay. The very first paragraph, the very, very last line of the first paragraph, thus is fulfilled Second Thessalonians chapter 2. Yeah, this is the, the work from Mills, right? Yeah, that's the work from Mills. And um, Got it. Okay. I was, I, and so I suggested last week that we would probably come back and go through that. Um, did, does that answer your question properly? Okay. So we're we're looking at what then he's got in his mind in Second Thessalonians chapter two. We're looking at it as um, does this fit together? And, and I'm I'm confident that it does. Uh, that confidence doesn't make it right or wrong. So let's go back to verse two. Uh, or don't be disturbed uh, through a spirit or a messenger or a letter as if from us. And probably the us here, we need to broaden out, as Neil suggested, to be more inclusive and exclusive of the apostles. Um, but I've given you my point on that. Uh, as if from us to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. Now, the day of the Lord here is comparable to what in verse 1? The parousia. The parousia. See, you can't separate it. He's ta- he tells us exactly in verse 1 what it is he's talking about. He's not talking about to us a future coming. He's talking about to them uh, the, the state of being that represents the parousia of the Lord. And in this verse... He refers to that as the day of the Lord. That that parousia has not yet been achieved. We know that. Why do we know that? Because the temple is still standing in Jerusalem. Jerusalem still has inhabitants of Jews. And at the parousia and the day of the Lord, the temple will no longer be standing. All right, let's move on. Now, we've given enough background in, in chapters 21, 20 and 21, 20, 21 and 22 for that as well. So let no man, in verse 3, let no man deceive you, for it will not come. And some of that is not in the Greek text, but for now that's okay. Unless the apostasy comes first. So the first thing is the apostasy. And... We, we saw what happened to the priest last week. Uh, Dan gave us a, an excellent presentation on that from his readings, and I think it was very clear. Uh, and the man of lawlessness, we talked about that. We can come back and review some of that. And the son of destruction, which is the same person, I believe, and they oppose, and who who opposes and exalts himself above every so-called God or object of worship so that he takes his seat in the temple of God. And we read the history of what was taking place in Jerusalem and the temple last week. Those are That's all available to you folks. We don't need to go back and, and be redundant with that right now. 
and he displayed himself as being God. Verse 5, do you not remember while I was with you, I was telling you these things? So he had already gone over these things with the church at Thessaloniki. Now he's bringing it back to their mind. Bringing who back to his thinking on this? The church at Thessaloniki. Yeah, that's talk about you can't fit yourself into that. There's no, there's no wiggle room there. You just can't, Alex. Excellent. You Do you not remember that while I was still with you? How can you beat that, folks? You can't get yourself in that unless Paul was with you, you were with him, you heard him tell you these things, then you can slither your way into that paragraph, but none of you can do that. I don't care how low down you think you are, you cannot slither in into that paragraph. You just can't do it. The only one of us that has a chance is Abner, and he's not here. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. At his age? <laughs> I'll tell him that Sunday. I hope you don't. No, <laughs> I won't. <laughs> oh, my. But you see how clear that is? If you stop and think about it, he is talking to them about things that he had talked to them about before. He has not talked to us about them except through what he is telling them, and he is telling them what is taking place in the book of Revelation right now in our studies. Now, I hope my conclusion is understood, but, of course, every conclusion is open to falsification. You know, everybody can argue that. But I want you to understand why I'm making that conclusion. So, do you not remember why I was with you? I was telling these things. And you, and you know what restraints... Now, notice in verse 6. And you know what restrains him. Oh, re, oh well, we, no. If you've got that in your Bible, you better just cut it out because that just throws everything into a tilt here. <laughs> you know what restrains him somewhere two thousand dollars, uh, two thousand years down the line. Yeah. Instead of now. Instead of now. <laughs> no, he, whoever it was was there then, and he was being restrained when, then. <laughs> Now, now, while he was writing to these folks that he is being restrained now so that when the time is proper, then he will become exposed and known for what he is. How can you put, put that into our time? He is already at work. I wish we had everybody in Coolidge, all the churches here, for this study tonight. I don't know how anyone can wiggle themselves into this context. I just don't see how they can do it. And you know what restrains him now so that in his time he will be revealed. 
For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. Then, in verse 8, oh, folks, you could just spend so much time on this, and I think we've done this in, a, in our Thessalonian class, but it's so fitting here. And I get so excited about, you know, the, the textual analysis here. Then that lawless one will be then who is who is now being restrained now in their time then this lawless one will be revealed whom the Lord will slay with the spirit of his mouth and by the way let's look that up I can make another point here. This is a, a we might call this a, a cheap shot. But notice the word here. Uh, shall consume, shall consume spirit the mouth. Look at the words, the, the word, well, they don't even have the word breath in here. The spirit that comes to the mouth. See, it's the word. It's the same word that's used everywhere else. This is in the dative, uh, uh, dative case, and um, it's neuter, and it's breath. It's the word breath. It's translated breath. They've got it right. But it's carrying, it's carrying everything that's within the heart of the source. That's what spirit is. The carrier. It's, it's the expression of everything that you are. I, I may have said this before, but there's a large hospital in Portland, Oregon. It's called Emmanuel Hospital. Now, it seemed to me like initially it was uh, Methodist. I don't know that for sure. I may be mistaken on that. They have developed a cancer ward where they um, they uh, determine uh, the uh, the prognosis prognosis of the cancer is detected with breath. They have a laboratory for breath analysis for the purpose of, of diagnosing certain kinds of cancer. So you go in there and you huff and you puff and they get a sample of it. And, um, uh, you know, I don't know whether other places are doing that, but Emmanuel Hospital did that and I think they still do. It was very large complex oh there we're coming oh you know I was hoping that's the way that was <laughs> yeah oh good good so that, that relates to the Lord uh, you uh, will slay with the, whom the Lord will slay with the spirit of his mouth now, he's not going to have creatures coming out of his mouth, little living things. And he will bring to an end by the appearance of what? Presence. Of his parousia, of his presence. Not coming. 
That's the same word that is used by the disciples, and this is redundant to you folks now, but in Matthew 24. There's brightness of. Um, with, what, what's that? They're using the word brightness of his presence. The brightness of, of, of the presence of him. Mm-hmm. Manifestation, yeah. So everybody was going to know that when they saw these events of Mark 13, Matthew 23 and 24, and, and Luke, those gospel accounts where Jesus is telling us about this and why, and that's why the disciples, the apostles uh, to come, asked Jesus, what will be the sign of your presence? He, they did not ask him about the sign of his coming. They asked him about the sign of his presence. What will be the sign of that? And then in each one of those contexts, he says, there are some of you standing here, words to this effect, some of you who are standing here who will not see death until what I'm talking about all comes to pass. Now, Revelation fits the, fits the picture. Anybody have any problem with that? You know... I think I think that it is so clear, and I'm glad to see that there are works emerging um, that are supportive, even though uh, they don't have everything uh, to what I think is entirely right. But at least we're on this. We're on. We're going the same direction, folks, and we need to embrace people who are moving the same way. It's, it's right. To, to try to undo 1,500 years of faults ever, ever since uh, Augustine, to try to undo all of this, it's not overnight. And it has been built into our translations. It's been built into our, our seminaries, our schools all the way through, and so that's the only thing, that's what everybody has been exposed to. I don't care what school it is, whether it's, a con, uh, whether it's the uh, restoration movement schools, or all of our schools have had the same problem, and uh, they have promoted this, but I see, fortunately, I, I, I am seeing some movement out of that. So it says then that lawless one will be revealed, the, he'll be he'll be he'll be exposed, and the Lord, uh, through His means, through the clouds of destruction, with the with the spirit of His mouth, with the force of His mouth, with the character and the truth of His mouth, of what He has already said about this event in Matthew twenty four and Mark thirteen. And bring an end and let's look before I finish that I need to get that confirmed in the Greek be uh, with uh, you see it says by the appearance of his coming there's no by there with or it's actually uh, it's just an article it's tay and that's feminine for just the shall destroy the brightness and because it's in the dative, you can you need a with, 
there to make it work. With English. But you see, the problem with it is that we make it operative. It's the brightness, kind of the article is there, it's the brightness of the coming of him, of the presence of him. And his presence is made known by this events of, of uh, the destruction of the temple and of Jerusalem. That's his coming, God's coming in vengeance against the wayward Jews. Okay? That, and then he goes on in verse 9. I don't, I, folks, are, we're almost out of time. But, let me, and, but that's the point. That's the point, and we focus that in on where we are in, in Revelation chapter 9. But let me read a couple more verses here. And that is the one who is coming, uh, or uh, uh, verse 9, The one and the the Greek there I need. Um, all right, it's the word uh, again. You see, what three times here they mistranslate this word that throws all of the uh, Christendom today out of whack with the word, out of truth. It is the presence. And they leave the word out for the article. And they leave it out, well, because they've got a, a verb, see, and a verb won't carry an article. Instead of a noun. Instead of a noun. It's always a noun. Parousia is a noun, so it always has an article. It is always feminine. It's not referring to the person of Jesus, or it would be masculine. It's yeah. feminine because it's talking about a state of being. Okay, that is the one whose presence is in accord. Uh, the, the events here with the activity of Satan with all power and signs and false wonders. Everything is piling up against the Jews and Jerusalem. And with all the deception of wickedness for those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth so as to be saved. Now, there's a powerful statement. Separate that from the Jewish people. And yes, right. He's still talking about those amongst them. There's a, there's a living principle here that you had better keep and maintain a love for the truth because without it, there will be no salvation. That's the evangelical appeal tonight, their evangelistic appeal is that you have and maintain a love for truth. Otherwise, you cannot be saved, and we're hopefully bringing to you the truth. And verse 11, for this, God, for this reason, God sends upon them a deluding influence. Why? Because they did not hold and re uh, maintain a love for truth. He will send upon them a deluding influence so that they will believe what is false. Because he gives them exactly what they want. They don't, they don't care about truth, so he gives them something that's totally not true. You might, he, he takes away the conscience of people who turn from the truth, any truth, and by the way, any time we turn from anything that is true in God's word, 
we're in danger. We can't pick and choose what we believe and what we don't. See what that word deluding is in the Greek. All right, let's do it, and we're going to have to call it quits for that. But we get the point here while he's looking that up. Don't we get the point here of Second Thessalonians? And, and I, I think that Mills is very accurate when he says that um, uh, we're, we're looking here in verses 1, uh, in, in, in verse chapter 9, I mean chapter 9, we're seeing the fulfillment of Second Thessalonians chapter 2, and it is within the lifetime of those people of whom Paul is addressing. I don't think there's any any uh, uh, anything that detracts from that at all. And I think that Dan's um, exposition last week of what was going on with the priesthood and all is very uh, very pertinent to where we are. And I, that's one reason why I wanted to go through Second Thessalonians chapter two. We've been through this before. But possibly people who are in the Revelation studies have not been through that before. All right, let's look at the word. Uh, uh, we're looking up a word now in conclusion tonight. Uh, what was the word? Uh, delusion. All right. Let, oh, okay. The, uh, God's strong delusion. A stray, a straying from... In our case, we would say a, a straying from what's right. See, it's the opposite of, re, of repentance is moving toward what is right, getting in alignment with what is right. You know, it's, it's not a shameful word. Repentance means to get in step with what is right. The word repentance is metronome. And it means to get in step with, to get in, in into the beat, marching according to the right drum beat. You know what a drum beat is. And uh, there, there, there's a rhythm. And so repentance is getting into the rhythm of truth. Here we have a word that means the very opposite. It's straying away, getting away from listening to the beat. And... Uh, uh, from orthodoxy, and that's what they—that's how they're using the word orthodoxy there. It means straight doctrine. That's what the word orthodox means: is straight doctrine. Piety is God likeness. So uh, God will send will will send to them uh, because of their rejection of what is right. He will just turn them over to believe anything they want to believe, and they'll have no conscience about it at all. That's what Romans chapter 1 is talking about. Let's go back there and just read one verse and we'll... Thessalonians chapter 1 talks about those being punished for not accepting uh, the gospel of Christ. Uh, those who have not obeyed. Who have not obeyed the gospel of Christ. And of course, that's what they're rejecting. And that's why the delusion comes. Yep, that's exactly... Uh, let me read you just one verse here. In Romans chapter 1, I think Romans chapter 1 should be in order. Um, just one now. Uh, <clears throat> let me see. I need to go. Um, let, let, let's, just get, let, let's just go up here uh, in uh, chapter 1. And um, <clears throat> here, here's what they did in 
and I'm not going to read all of this, but they, uh, they started changing how they were thinking in verse 23. See, all of Christendom is wrapped up today. Unfortunately, folks, it ought to grieve us that they're wrapped up in a departure from what is right. That's what verse 23, they, they were exchanging truth for falsehood, exchanging the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of a corruptible man and of birds. That's probably humanism and of birds. And humanism isn't that man isn't the highest thing that God has made. It's man without God. That's humanism. And of birds and four-footed animals and crawling creatures, and therefore God gave them up. And then in verse 25, they exchanged the truth of God for a lie. Folks, that's Christendom today. We ought to be weeping over that. It's tragic. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie. What else did they do? They worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator. That's our country. That's the world at large. Now, for verse 26, then when that takes place, when you exchange truth for a, a lie, for this reason God gives them over, turns them loose to degrading passions, for their women exchange the natural function for that which is unnatural. And in the same way also the man men abandon their natural function of the woman and burned in their desire toward one another, men with men committing indecent acts and receiving in their own persons the due penalty of the error. You cannot exchange the truth of God for a lie and get away with it. Let's pray. Father, your word is forever powerful. May we be surrendered to it and obedient to it. May that be our commitment this week and for every day of our remaining life. In Jesus' name, amen. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.